0: Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So, if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand general roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends
1: to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.
0: Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Kevin, you've had the week off. Are you going to have the week off? Oh my God. What, what have you decided to do with this beautiful time given to you?
1: Well, George, today I've been cleaning the shower box, as you do <laughs> on your first day <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> when you say the shower box, what does the shower box mean? What do you mean?
1: Ah, oh, you know, like, you know, we have a shower box in the bathroom and you have your glass the glass sides that you got to clean, then you've got the tiles with the grout in them and the grout gets dirty. So I'm there with a toothbrush, scrubbing the grout, getting them back to pristine condition. I'm very
0: surprised actually that this isn't a scheduled activity for you. I would think that this sits on your <laughs> list of things to do, you know, bi-monthly along with you sitting down to decide what photo should be deleted from your photos album so it doesn't get too cluttered.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would be. But, uh, you know, you run out of time, George. Um, we're busy people. We run out of time to clean the shower box sometimes. Finally found myself with a little bit of time and a toothbrush and a free morning. So,
0: oh, it's nice to make time to do the things you love, Kev. That's very important in life.
1: <laughs> it clears the head, George. It clears the head. You should try it sometime.
0: Clears the head. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's better than just uh, scrolling mindlessly um, on social media or on TikTok, on LinkedIn, whatever it might be, Kevin. And that can be easy to do, right? I find myself getting stuck, especially on LinkedIn and TikTok, just scrolling for too long, honestly, too long. And Kevin, speaking of scrolling endlessly, I want to talk about why our listeners, Kevin, should actually be trying to keep their dream customers on a platform and not always push them to a landing page. And Kev, I think it's important to talk about this in the context of our third B in our five B's framework, which is of course, be seen, which is about really how to amplify the helpful, incredible content that you've been creating and pushing that to your dream customers. It's really important to talk about it in this context uh, because I think it fundamentally changes the way you think about how you should have that relationship with your dream customer.
1: That's a great topic George and one that I'm really keen to discuss as well because you know traditionally when you start doing this be scene work when you start putting some money behind getting your helpful content out there, the temptation is just to jump straight to lead generation, jump to sending the traffic to a landing page where there's a sign up form for a demo or a sales call. That's too soon. Like We've been talking about that for a couple of episodes now. And generally throughout this process of doing the podcast, we think when you hit paid ads in the first instance, it's still too soon to send them straight to a landing page to do that ask straight away. There's still a role for these paid ads to help amplify your helpful content and continue that education process. It's just a surefire way of getting that helpful content in front of the desired audience every time because you're paying for that connection, you're paying for that touch point.
0: That's it, Kev. And people are calling it zero-click content. And it's not just about doing it with your paid ads, it's about doing it with your organic content too. I mean, very often we see people write awesome articles on their website, they go to LinkedIn, uh, they do a company post or a personal post about it, And then basically they just copy the URL, paste it in, give it a brief summary, and they're trying to direct traffic to their landing page. How many people are actually clicking that? And how many more could have actually read the information that you wanted them to read if you instead focused on communicating that information and not trying to force them to get to your landing page first? Now, Kev, we know from running paid media for businesses that ads, really good ads to a cold audience, they typically have a click-through rate of about 0.4%, and that's on a good day. So that is a tiny, tiny amount compared to the total number of people who could be reading it. And so that's why we really advocate for, hey, stop trying to drive people to your landing page all the time and start trying to push those messages and leave those messages in the places where those people are already hanging out online. So instead of 0.4% of people clicking your article, going to your website and consuming your message, why not try and communicate that message on that platform that they're already on and you'll get so many more actually viewing and consuming it. And Kev, that's called zero click content.
1: Yeah, we, we talked about it previously as well in terms of saying, you know, you can educate people, you can be helpful in feed. And in-feed means both ads and organic content. So up until now, we've often talked about, you know, bringing your helpful content, bringing your helpful tips and snapshots and drip form into the feed through organic ways. You can do the same thing with your be seen, paid uh, avenues to do that as well. And that's exactly what we're talking about this episode. Take some of that stuff that you maybe are tempted to gate, that you're maybe looking to put on your landing page, bring that to the feed because as George said, click-through rate on a good day is not going to get you the sort of volume that you need to start to build these relationships that are based on trust at scale online. And that's what this whole framework is about. It's about building those relationships online. And one of the best ways you can do that is bring that educational content, bring that helpful content into the feed with both your organic content and your paid ads.
0: That's it, Kevin. It comes back to that five stages of awareness that we always talk about and how it's really the B2B marketer's job to usher, act as a Sherpa in guiding that dream customer through those five stages of awareness. And for the listeners who haven't heard us talk about the five stages of awareness from, it's really the five stages of awareness that your dream customer has to go through to being totally unaware that they even have a problem that your product or service solves to going and saying, you know what, your product or service is the perfect fit and solution for me and my business and my needs. And there's five stages. People go from being unaware to realizing they have a problem, being problem aware, solution aware where they're comparing solutions, then product aware, and then most aware. And Kev, if our goal as a marketer is to guide people on that journey, then why are we hiding information or making it difficult for them to access this information that's going to give them the answers that they need to progress through those five stages of awareness to get them one step closer to buying our product or service? Why would we make it harder for them?
1: Yeah, we wouldn't, would you? I mean, logically speaking, you would really want to bring that helpful content right to the fore. And Listeners, there is an episode where we talk in detail about the five stages of awareness and the sort of content that you need to produce at each stage. So we'll link that in the show notes. But the idea is this. With the paid ads, traditionally people approach it as a way to capture demand, to go after those most aware, uh, solutions aware um, stages of that buyer journey in the five stages of awareness. But they're missing out on the key stages before that where you're generating awareness, where you're generating Um, Helpful content to help people learn about the problem that they actually have and the solutions available to them That's three stages out of the five that you're essentially not hitting or not focused on if you're just running paid ads for the sake of Closing what demand is already in the market, which as we've spoken about in previous episodes probably only make up about three to five percent of the total addressable market So you've got 95 percent, 97 percent of the market that you can still talk to, that you can still build helpful, trust based relationships with online exactly with the same tools that you would normally use to capture demand. But because you're not looking at it through that lens, you're not using paid ads in that way, then you're missing out on that huge opportunity. And that's what we would like you to start focusing on and start thinking about in terms of ads can actually be an educational tool as well and we stopped talking about the click-through rate. We stopped talking about how much uh, sales we generated directly from those ads because they're not actually there for the demand capture. Uh, Maybe there's another campaign set up for demand capture where you do have pushes to landing pages, but for the most part, you can actually use ads just as a helpful tool to get that education in, in feed.
0: Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The B2Bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. That's it. We're not saying don't ever push people to your website. Don't ever push people to a landing page. Of course, there are times where you want to do that, but we say more marketers need to change their mindset and stop trying to shove people down a funnel that actually doesn't exist and is made up by you know martech companies by agencies and they're trying to convince you they can push people exactly through this funnel and start realizing that that's not how people buy think about the last product that you bought you know did you go through awareness consideration purchase and follow exactly the um facebook ads that that business targeted you with like i'm sure that didn't happen
1: kev has that ever happened to you no, no, I don't think so. I, generally, it's that dark social that we talk about, right? Someone recommends something, or you heard it from a, a podcast ad, or you saw it on a YouTube ad somewhere, um, but that's actually sponsored by the content that you're watching. And that's what initially gets your awareness of the product. Or maybe you just came across it from browsing online. But that's not where you would buy like over time you get more familiar with the brand. You might look it up here and there. You might see a sale and that will encourage you to look deeper at the brand and the products that it makes and the story behind the brand. But it's probably still not where you buy. You're still learning about the the solutions, the problem and the other alternatives in the market. And, you know, the the real buying process is like the 5% of the journey at the end uh, where, yeah, an ad pushing you to a landing page might work with sales promotion or or something like that. That really is the hook at the end of the line. But there's the whole rest of the line that nobody really talks about, that nobody's really targeting. Kev, some very beautiful things start to happen when we
0: start creating this zero-click content, this content that is designed to be consumed within the platform that you're advertising on. And one of them, Kev, is your ads all of a sudden are actually built for engagement and they stop looking so much like ads. So all of a sudden, no longer your ads look like, you know, this template that's made in Canva with, you know, a smiling, happy person, a piece of text that says save time by doing X, Y, Z, and then a button that says like download now or click here to learn more. Instead, it looks like a text post on LinkedIn or an image post Um, which is like a little bit more interesting and highly related to your target audience and designed to actually create engagement because it's optimized for the feed. We're not just trying to put up a display ad to push people to a landing page. We're actually trying to keep people in the feed to get their attention there and to keep them there.
1: Yeah, when you fundamentally shift the objective of those paid ad campaigns sometimes away from conversion and towards Okay, let's be helpful to my intended audience. They naturally become geared towards engagement, as George said, and naturally they perform better because that's really what the social platforms are based on. That's what they uh, work towards. That's what they try to build within their platforms, because that's what makes those platforms sticky and what makes those users hang around on that platform. And that kind of leads on to another bonus a benefit of doing this, uh, which is the platforms prefer it as well. And that means they will reward you with more reach, uh, potentially more engagement or reach with the right audience that will engage with your content.
0: That's it and they'll often do it for cheaper because think about it, if you're LinkedIn, if you're Facebook, you want people to stay on your platform because the more people are on your platform, the more advertising you can sell. So that means that if you are optimizing your campaigns and you're using an objective within that platform that says to LinkedIn or Facebook, hey, I want you to get me clicks to my landing page, then they charge you a premium for that. That's why brand awareness objectives within these campaigns, and this is getting a little bit more technical care, but if we're setting up a LinkedIn, a Facebook ad campaign, whatever it might be, if we use an awareness objective, it's typically much cheaper than a more performance-related one, one that is trying to drive clicks. And as I said, the reason for that is the platforms want you to stay on the
1: platform. It's also got a great added benefit that um, something in our recent conversation with Rand he mentioned is that because most people don't play in that space, because most people don't realize the value of running ads for being helpful, for running this helpful, engaging content, it's cheaper. It's cheaper for you to run because there's just not as much competition as, in a traditionally very low funnel you know, demand capture space that traditionally you would run ads in. You can go broader. You can go... A bit more targeted towards your audience, but still pretty broad in terms of using those brand awareness objectives.
0: So Kev, just to give our listeners a little bit more insights as to how we use this, I mean, really the, the paid media that we, ran, we run for um, some of our clients is, uh, it has very high engagement on it because we've taken this exact approach. We're not really concerned about the click-through rate. So if they've done a webinar and that addresses issues that are part of that five stages of awareness and we think it's really useful to push that to the buying committee of our target accounts, then we'll just chop up key parts of that webinar and just push that. Push that using a brand awareness campaign to those people. And what we care about is people actually watching that video and reading the text that accompanies that video that explains the main points in that video. Don't care if they come through and click to our website right now. It's all about educating, being part of that process. And you know what Kev? That video actually positions our client as an authority in that space too because they're hosting this webinar in conjunction with other very influential people in the space. So we've done a really lot of cool things there, right? Is one, we're educating, two, we're showing authority and three, we're also kind of showing social proof. The fact that the CEO of our business is in the same room as these other like real experts in that industry says a lot about your business. And Kev, That's why, to be honest, I don't really care too much when it comes to click-through rate as a metric when looking at the performance of these ads. I care about the fact that you have dream customers tagging other potential dream customers in these ads saying, hey, this webinar looks really helpful. I care about the fact that they like it. I care about the fact that the CEO tells us that, hey, you know, people are enjoying this LinkedIn content and when we chat to them, they're always referencing it. That's what really matters. That's what shows that it's actually having impact.
1: And personally, George, I care about a bit about shares as well because if it's really good content, if it's helpful in the feed people are more likely to share that and generally more likely to share that. So if your shares are going up over time, that means you're probably on the right track. You're improving your content and gearing towards engagement. And you know, between us, George, we sometimes share stuff. Uh, we don't post about it uh, publicly on LinkedIn, but that's the sort of stuff that stops me these days when we are doing scrolling for those times when we sort of can't control ourselves and we're scrolling through. The things that I stop on these days are You know, videos, uh, helpful diagrams and infographics and things like that where the information is educational. And then I hit that share button, little envelope flying plane and share it to you. You know, you're one of the top uh, recommended automated uh, options when I hit that share button. And (laughs) that's how things work. You know, like nowadays, it's all that dark social. It's all that sharing that happens where you don't see it publicly. It doesn't have a huge amount of uh, likes. It doesn't have a huge amount of click through, but you're sharing it with important people, as you said, George, with dream customers, potential dream customers and that, that online word of mouth keeps going.
0: That's exactly right, Kev, and that's what we're influencing, and that's the space that we're playing in by pushing this helpful content to key decision makers, and we're just trying to make it easier by keeping them on the platform. As I said, it doesn't mean that you should never take them away from your platform. I would just say, before you do that, you know, what's more important to me? Is it more important for someone to get them to our website, or is it important that they read and consume this message? And I would just ask yourself that question before deciding whether to have it on your website, whether to gate it, all that beautiful stuff.
1: And think about paid ads. Is it only for demand capture? Can it actually play a role in being helpful, in pushing helpful content out and reaching those other stages of awareness that maybe you're struggling to hit with just organic reach for the time being at least? Then maybe that's another use for paid ads that you should really consider and as to where to get started kev for our listeners
0: um, i would always start by just posting organic content that is naturally going to be optimized for that platform look at what performs best and then start testing boosting that but not just generically you want to test it by boosting it to your dream customers and to the buying committee of those dream customers
1: yeah very good point george As we said in a previous episode, boosting is really a great way to get started in the paid space, Um, but make sure you start by going from a foundation of your health organic content that's already performing. gives you the best bang for buck generally and the best way to start testing.
0: All right, Kev, now we do have a look at some metrics within the platforms. We don't just completely ignore it, of course. That would be negligent. Uh, Some things that we do look for are uh, frequency is one. And for listeners that don't know, frequency is the number of times within a given period of time that someone has seen your ad or at least have made an impression on them. So if over 30 days you have a frequency of five, that means that a person on average within your targeting has seen your ad, that particular piece of creative, five times. If the frequency gets really high and if that message is starting to get tired, then people can start to ignore it and it might be time to refresh it with another piece of creative. And it also just gives us an idea, Kev, as to how much of that content is being consumed at each stage of awareness and where we need to refresh content at each stage of awareness. So frequency is an important one to look at.
1: Well, sometimes, George, people get a bit afraid when that number starts creeping up too high. And- and I mean generally we lean towards a slightly higher before we start changing our creatives because it is educational. it is by nature educational so people might come back and refer to it, they might save it and read it again later. That's actually a positive sign. you know you don't have to hit a million people only one time, you know a lot of times when when traditional uh, paid media marketers look at frequency, they're like you know, we've got to get it under two, we've got to get it under 1.5. It really maximizes your reach. Well, you know, do you need that much reach if it's to the wrong people? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be better if you targeted a smaller subset of that who are really close to your dream customers, really close to your dream 100, but you're hitting them three to five times and they're really starting to build an affinity with the helpful content that you're putting out, they've actually shared it, they've come back to see it again because they actually started a piece of work for which that particular piece of helpful content is relevant. Maybe frequency can be a little higher. But as George said, if it does get too high, you know, if it goes well above five, that's when you can start to look to refresh that content.
0: That's it. It's about taking people from that feeling of, oh my God, this company is everywhere. I keep seeing them to wow, like, yes, I see them everywhere and they're so helpful. It's like they're inside my head and that final stage of like, they're in my head and like they, we need to use them because they are the perfect fix for the problem that we have. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do with that content. It's not just about those impressions, but guiding them on that journey.
1: Now, George, we've already spoken about also looking at engagement. Um, so that's another metric that we obviously look at. Um, just take things with a grain of salt here though. Uh, some of it, the shares, you don't always have access to where's shared in the dark social space. Um, but if you see a steady trend in terms of engagement growing, that's a good sign that those pieces of content are hitting the right audience are hitting a nerve and you should do more of it or improve in that direction.
0: Kev, um, as you know, we've been doing some interviews because we're conducting our first market research report on the B2B playbook. And so many of these conversations start with people in in our network that I haven't spoken to before. And one of the first things they say is, I read your content all the time or I listen to the B2B playbook but I'm just one of those lurkers. It's really useful, but I'm sorry. I never actually get around to liking it. And so that's why, Kev, as you said, that engagement metric can lead you astray because just because people aren't engaging with it doesn't mean that they're not actually interacting with it and enjoying it and sharing it through Slack channels, any other means, whatever it might be. So it's very difficult to look at that as an indication of impact.
1: Yeah, but there's another qualitative way to look at that, right? You know, things on LinkedIn that you share, you kind of do get some information around what companies may be viewing your ads or what businesses and and positions within those businesses of people who are viewing your ads. That's another one that we like to use as a qualitative uh, insight tool rather than the quantitative as it's often represented, because then it kind of directs you into generally what buckets of people are starting to notice your content. Is that your intended audience? If it is, maybe you can work with that insight to tailor it in more. Also, a great way to figure out who to start conversations with if they're not already in your network.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a way of taking that quantitative data and then looking at like the actual quality of it. We're not looking at just how many uh, impressions our piece of content got, or how many clicks it got. We're looking at which companies were actually uh, viewing our key messages. So, great point there, Kev. I will add, Kev, um, for the few times that we do drive people um, to landing pages, as you kind of alluded to there, it's always important to try and uh, figure out the quality of any quantitative data that you might be capturing. So, We don't so much care about landing page views, right? Because someone could click on your ad, get to your landing page, not really interact with it, and then who cares? Uh, So care for something that we do is try and qualify that. And a way that we do that is by putting in place an engagement pixel, which basically looks at after that person clicked our ad and came to our landing page, how much time did they spend on the site and how far down the page did they scroll? And that actually gives us some ideas to was that content useful for them? You know, did they actually find it useful? If, they have an, if that piece of content has an average page on time of, you know, five minutes, then there's a good chance that that, pe- that person is actually reading something that's useful to them. And then we go, okay, well, this is a good piece of content and we are spending our money on the right people. But if most of them bounce and the average time on page is, you know, 10, 15 seconds, well, then we know something's gone wrong.
1: Yeah, George, that's always a really good one to put on the engagement pixel. Listeners, there's a bunch of different ways you can do this. Uh, There's a lot of different tools like Hotjar, Microsoft Clarity that give you different variations of this engagement idea of measuring engagement that you can explore. And it's actually one of the topics we'll talk in more detail next season when we look at be better. Um, So keep your ears out for that one. Um, But if you're just starting out, if you're just starting to look at engagement, on your website start looking at maybe implementing an engagement pixel of some kind and you know there's a lot of information through something like google analytics and maybe even wordpress particular tools that you already use to host your website they might give you some insights already so start looking for engagement metrics to help you again understand what's happening on your website but as george said there don't focus on the quantitative angle of those metrics think about The quality of that traffic, the quality that uh, the quantitative data is starting to suggest is there.
0: That's it Kev. We're taking it back to real traditional marketing, the fundamentals of marketing where we just kind of admit to ourselves, hey, not all this marketing stuff can be tracked. And often the best marketing uh, is it's difficult to look in a CRM and see its impact straight away. But we just have to fundamentally accept that marketing is really ultimately about building relationships with people. The five stages of awareness is a fantastic way of, I guess, looking at how do we build relationships with people. And then you're going to see the end result in better, higher quality inbound leads. You're going to see probably some slightly faster sales cycles, Kev, uh, when it's done over a longer period of time, just because... Now people have the information to self-educate and so that means at the point where they come into contact with you, they already have a lot of that information and knowledge and your sales team and experts don't have to guide them through that. And Kev ultimately just builds better relationships between your business and your customers because it's built on one of trust and not just based on a price or feature war right at the bottom of the funnel.
1: Great points, George. All right, listeners, key takeaways for this episode, or really there's only one main takeaway, and that's start using your paid ads to bring in some of that educational helpful content in feed through paid channels as well. All that zero click content that people like to talk about these days. Why do that? Because it's great for consumption. It's great for making your ads more geared towards engagement. Platforms love it. It's cheaper to run. All these great things and it all starts with bringing your helpful content into the feed and using paid ads to amplify that helpful content, not just as a demand capture tool. Beautifully done, Kev. Thank you very much. Listeners, as always,
0: you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. And Kev and I are so grateful that each week more and more marketers are tuning into the B2B playbook every Monday morning. And Kev, if we could ask our listeners one thing, it would be to please give us a review on whatever platform it is you listen on or do us one better and um, tell someone about the B2B Playbook who you think could benefit from it. It's a huge help to us, hopefully a huge help to someone else, and we really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and see you next week.
1: Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. See you next week.
0: A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be
1: sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook.
0: We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode
1: next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.